Hello and welcome to Ion Princeton. This podcast is dedicated to informing city residents like you about the happenings here in Princeton, Texas. Each episode will help you find the things you need to know to navigate in and around the city. We keep our eye out for businesses that are coming to town, road construction updates, city ordinances, and public safety. We also like to highlight local residents that live in the city. Right now, we'll hand things off to your host and Princeton resident, Mitchell Chase. Greg Price, thank you so much for that. And we are speaking with the Mayor Pro Tem from the city of Princeton, Steve Defenbaugh. And uh, we've had the opportunity to be able to speak about the city council, businesses coming to town. You can check those out on other episodes of Ion Princeton. But right now, we're going to talk murder. And leading into this, Steve, you've had an amazing career. The things you've been involved with, starting as a paper boy when you were a kid to being in the Marine Corps, honorably discharged at the rank of E5, which is a sergeant and fire department and law enforcement. I mean, it's been amazing. Great ride. I've had a very blessed career. So I want to get to this murder. First, tell us about this very famous murder that took place in Texas in Collin County. And I'm sure you're referring to what we call refer to as the Axe murder. And it happened on, I was a deputy sheriff acting investigator with the Collin County Sheriff's Office. It happened on Friday, June 13th, 1980. And that's really the first day the Friday the 13th movie was premiered in this area. It was showing. So it happened on Friday the 13th. And it happened in wow. the city of Wiley. I was at home uh, that evening. I got paged by the sheriff's office dispatch. And uh, they asked me if I could actually go down and take some crime scene, uh, do the crime scene for a murder in Wiley. That's what I did for the sheriff's office. I was an investigator, worked major crimes, and did lots of crime scene work. And I said, sure, I'll go down there. And uh, actually, it's kind of funny because I not funny, I checked how much film I had. I didn't have a whole lot of film, but I said, well, there couldn't be much of anything going on down in Wiley. So Wide Awake Wiley, a small community. And I went down to the, the residence, got down there, turned onto the street on Dogwood Street. And the news media was already there. And I just thought to myself, and this is exactly what I said, oh, crap. You know, it's a lot more than what I figured. And uh, actually got into the residence and found out that a, a woman had been murdered. At that time, we didn't know who had murdered her. And it come to find out, it was that actually, we say the axe murder is a, a woman by the name of Betty Gore. She was struck 41 times, 28 times in the head, in the head with an axe. Wow. Finally developed the case. What we did, uh, I did all the crime scene. I actually took a one of the most damaging things for the defendant, you know, for the suspect, was uh, there was a bloody thumbprint on the freezer and actually took a photograph, that one photograph, and used a 35-millimeter camera with close-up attachments, tripod, and all that, and used all my skills and took one picture of it. And we were able to link that and match that up to a person because we took fingerprints of everyone that was in the, had been in the house. You know, if they had been in the house, we took their fingerprints to try to eliminate them or to show. The husband was out of town in Minnesota? The, the husband was in, actually in Minnesota. And the, the strange things about this case that, you know, I told you is Friday, June 13th. Well, from the time the, the offense occurred to the time the body was discovered was approximately 13 hours. And that's based on their stomach content. And that's just uh, the forensic people that can actually look at if you eat something like a, whenever you die, all your body functions quit. And she had eaten a high-fiber cereal. So they could actually tell whatever person eats through science how long it takes for that substance to break down. You know, at what stage is it is it broken down in your stomach to digest? And they were able to look at that and tell. So it was approximately 13 hours from the time the homicide occurred 
to the time the body was discovered. From the time the body was discovered to the date of arrest was 13 days exactly. And the house is the 13th house from the corner. So we had all these things, plus it happened on Friday the 13th. And on the dining room table, there was a uh, today's section of Dallas Morning News. Now, I'm not a big movie goer, and it was brought to my attention later on, because I, what I took a picture of was the show that was the Dallas Morning News, and it had Friday, June 13th, and it was today's section. Today's section talked about movies and gives information about movies and things, and the article was about The Shining, oh. there, which The Shining actually has an axe murder, and it, of course, the paper had some blood spatters on it, and it was in the dining room. That's so creepy. It was, kind of, it was. It was. So we eventually developed a suspect, and uh, her name was Candace Montgomery, and found out she was actually having an affair with Alan Gore, Betty Gore's husband. And supposedly the affair had broken off, but evidently it didn't. You know, there was a book called Evidence of Love that was written about it, but, it was, but to me, the book was written on behalf of the defendant, Candace Montgomery, because there was no one there to tell the story of Betty. But anyway, we developed a, a case and actually arrested her. And we actually went to trial. The sad part is that she was found not guilty by reason of self-defense. And how you get self-defense? How you many? Forty something. Forty-one times, twenty times in the head. You know. And how do you get self-defense? To me, self-defense is always whenever you when you're the person incapable of, of doing anything. You know, it's it's over with. But uh, that's a lot less than forty-one times. But. Um, who would believe that? Well, it just takes 12 people, uh, 12 people in the jury, you know, and whatever they thought, you know. Now, lots of times, and this is, you know, I worked uh, about 15 years in the district attorney's office, and lots of people, and I don't know, uh, Mitchell, if you've ever served on a jury or not. Not yet. Okay. But lots of people say, uh, you ask them, say, well, were you served on the jury? Were you picked? And they always say, yes. Well, you're not picked on a jury. Jurors are leftovers. They're on there because neither side had a reason to strike them from the list, with the exception of capital murder cases in the state of Texas where they do individual four dire, which is a Latin word that means to tell the truth, and and the and you do the four dire, and they do each side selects a juror, and, okay. you, and that's actually that's on cap, only on capital murder cases. All the others, you're on a jury panel. You may have 45 people on the panel or 60 people on the panel, and each side will give, be given 10 strikes, and you do a, a broad voir dire of the, of the whole jury. You ask them questions, and they may strike you because they don't like what you're wearing. You know, they don't, maybe they don't like your, your hair or your clothing, or, or maybe you find out that uh, if you're the prosecutor, maybe you sent her husband to jail or something, or her child to jail. Well, you maybe not want her because she may be biased against you. Okay. And so both sides, the defense and the prosecution, each have a, a jury list. They go through it. They, they strike their names out who they don't want, and then they give it to the bailiff. The bailiff puts it together, and the first 12 people that don't have a strike in there is your jury. So they're leftovers. They're leftovers. <laughs> right. I mean, just the husband. I mean, he was in Minnesota. Was he culpable at all? Was he part of this? Well, uh, he didn't have anything to do with the homicide itself. But, uh, you know, he had been having the affair with Candace, you know. That's the his part. What I want to get to is that HBO is looking to do a series, Hulu, a movie. You've been on Investigation Discovery several times. Let's talk about that. In a, a sensational case like this, and usually every time around June 13th rolls around, I usually get a call from a newspaper or, or someone that wanted to talk about it. Uh, I'm probably one of the, I may be one of the few or last living investigators on the case, you know. 
and they always want to discuss it. I've got a uh, actually a slide series on it, a PowerPoint series. I actually guest lecture at criminal justice courses and things on this on this particular case. Uh, uh, even book clubs that read that book, they've asked me to come and give a presentation. I, and I do those things, and I do it all free of charge. When you do that presentation, please let me know. Okay. I'd love to cover it. Okay. Alrighty, thank you. Continue. Okay. And then uh, Investigation Discovery, several years ago, they decided to do a little series, and they, they'll have lots of murder cases throughout the crime of the century or things like that, and they'll do a series, or series, and this might be one of the cases they'll... And so I've been on Investigation Discovery three times, and then the Hulu has contacted me, and I've interviewed with them, and they're actually doing a, a movie called Candy, and they're in production right now down there actually near Austin's where they're actually filming at. The actor who's going to portray me is Greg Graham in the Hulu movie. And then I can't tell you who's going to portray me in the miniseries that HBO is in the in current production right now. And it's being produced and directed by Nicole Kidman. And it's going to be an actual miniseries on HBO. And I'm supposed to have an interview with the actor who's going to portray me in that. In that particular movie, they're actually going to use real names in the HBL series, by my understanding. So I just I just want to make sure they pronounce my name right. Diffenbaugh. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, I hope they do, too. We're going to keep an eye on that. We'll be in contact with you. Let me know when these are getting ready to air. This is really exciting. Has this affected your family at all? Well, no. As an investigator for the, the sheriff's office, I mean, I've actually investigated two serial murder cases that have actually happened in Collin County, one with Henry Lee Lucas, and he was a high-profile case. He actually committed a couple of homicides here in Collin County. And then also Billy Dean Battenfield, who actually killed two people. And uh, I actually helped clear that up on, the, on one of the cases on that. And of course, they were not a high-profile case, but they were actually serial murders. Now, Henry Lucas, I think he's, he's deceased. But Billy Dean Battenfield is still somewhere still in penitentiary somewhere in one of the states because he had actually committed homicides throughout the United States, the western part of the United States. Without going into too much detail, because we don't have a lot of time, but I just want to go back to, you know, you turned the corner, you were going down the street, you saw the media was there. As an investigator coming on to a possible murder, what are you thinking? Well, you know, it's, you know, something's big has happened, you know, why is the media there? But then I have to turn and focus on the crime scene itself. And I have to put all that out of my head, uh, make sure uh, I do my job properly. You know, you can't get emotionally involved. You might destroy some evidence that you don't want to do that. And you have to be very meticulous about what you do. And you always do it the same way each and every time on crime scenes. Uh, because that way uh, you d- it doesn't foul you up in court, for one thing, because you do your investigations the same way. You mark your evidence the same way. You collect evidence the same way. You take your photographs the same way. You do it the same way each and every time. That way it helps you. Part of that every time is a timeline. Is that right? Yes. So at this time, this person was there at this time. What got you to the thumbprint? Well, actually, what what I always did, I always went in and viewed it first without, you know, you put put your hands in your pockets so you don't touch anything. You watch where you're walking. You just kind of walk through and look. Then I shoot I say shoot my way in with a camera, take right. pictures from the outside and go in and go to all these other steps before I actually get to where the body is. Then you start taking pictures of the actual crime scene. But you're looking for everything in there. And right. you examine because it hit the freezer where the fingerprint was found, it had lots of blood on it and had lots of swipe marks on it, too. And so you start looking and you start looking real close at that. And sure enough, I saw a bloody thumbprint. 
didn't know it was a thumb until after we uh, identified who it belonged to and saw that it matched up a left thumb of Candace Montgomery. Had she had a uh, prior criminal history? No, no no prior criminal history, but she had been at the house. We knew that she had been at the house because she was actually babysitting the Gore's daughter. Okay. Uh, was actually spending the night with her and her kids uh, because she was actually had been teaching vacation Bible school on the day that this happened. She'd actually come over there, she said, to get Alicia Gore's bathing suit so she could go swimming. And so she actually put herself in each room, in the utility room where the homicide was, because that's where she had to go. She said she actually went to the bathroom, because we found some evidence in there. And she actually went in there. She said she combed her hair and washed her hands in there. So she actually put herself at places, because everyone that had been in that house, even the neighbors who discovered the body, we actually, we got everyone's fingerprints. Right. Because we had to eliminate people, you know, to, to who that print might belong to. Fascinating stuff. Uh, of course, we, we've always had DNA. We just didn't have the technology. If we'd had DNA, we'd had a lot more evidence also because with DNA, which has really helped forensics so much in cases right now being solved through DNA. Mayor Pro Tem, Stephen Defabaugh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And there are other episodes that you can check out talking about the city council, talking about businesses coming to town. We just want to end with this question. As residents of the city of Princeton, what can we do to help our city? I've been asking each department that question. Well, we've got lots of board openings, and there's lots of opportunities for people to volunteer. And we need, uh, you know, people to serve on boards. We have parks board. We have library board. We have community development corporation, economic development corporation, different boards. If they would just come to City Hall, fill out an app, go online, fill out an application, and say they want to serve, you know, it is very rewarding and they actually got to be on the ground floor to see what's going on but i think that's what people need to do is just be involved in your community steve thank you you're welcome thank you thank you for listening to eye on princeton a podcast focused on the happenings in princeton texas we always welcome your feedback ideas suggestions comments or questions by email to mitchell chase at mitchellmchase.com until next time Blessings to you and yours. Ion Princeton is produced by Chase Productions. Copyright 2020.